Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know that we'd love to pray with you. You can also give us a call or go online. This is a great way to keep in touch with us. Today we are going to be learning about the kingdom of God and what it takes to be a part of that kingdom. The Bible tells us to keep ourselves spiritually alive by binding ourselves to the Lord in service. Find out how you can assemble with others to make a difference for the kingdom in today's message, Assembly Required. Well, today I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. And I would like to begin in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner or the custom of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I, I think it's interesting. The Bible tells us is we see the day of the return of the Lord getting close. How many of you believe that the return of Jesus is getting close? I mean, I, I, I believe that this is the terminal generation. I believe this is the generation that will see the return of Jesus. All right? And by the way, if I'm wrong, I know this. This is our terminal generation. This is it for us. All right, no matter what, this is it for us. But it says, as you see that day approach, it says, be sure to assemble yourselves together. All right, now I'm kind of preaching to the choir. All right, here we are on church on Saturday night. But it says, as you see that day approaching, make sure that you do not follow the custom of some, all right, who think, well, I'm, I'm just going to stay home. But it says we need to assemble ourselves together to be all God wants us to be, to fulfill our purpose, our destiny, to do all that God wants us to do. We need to assemble ourselves together. Now, it's in Romans 1, 17, again, that it says that he takes us from faith to faith. Now, here's what it means. It means the faith that you start with is not enough to get you where God wants you to go. Right? You're, it's for you and I to fulfill God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for our life, our faith cannot stay where it started. It has to grow. He wants to take us from faith to faith. Right? Now, we're to be a part of the body. Right? And all of us know this. Right? That if you just bang your little toe, you break your little toe, you're in trouble. Now, it's just a little toe, right? And nobody even sees it. But if you break your little toe, it affects every part of you, right? You, you, you look like you're 90 years old trying to walk, right? Because you just broke your little toe. Every part is important, right? It says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, the very first thing that happens when a person becomes a Christian right, is the Spirit of God takes you and takes you in the Spirit and puts you inside the body of Christ. Literally, the word baptized means to immerse. All right? Now, he does it in the spiritual realm, but we are supposed to do the same thing in the natural realm. Right? It's interesting, as you look in the book of Acts, one of the key words in the book of Acts is assembled, right? So as they, they were assembling in the temple courts, and then from house to house, Acts 2. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose and in their homes. They assembled, they, they had large 
group worship in the temple. They had small groups in houses. Same thing we should be doing today. Acts 2 verse 1. They were all assembled together in one place. Acts 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, and they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. Acts 13. Now the church assembly at Antioch, in that assembly, there were prophets and teachers. The list begins with Barnabas. It ends with Saul. And it says, as they worshiped the Lord, ministering to the Lord and fasting. Then Acts 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch for a whole year. They assembled together. I mean, all through the book of Acts, you find that they were assembling. In Hebrews, it tells us, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, how, how many of you have, I have lost my sanctification a few times on Christmas. You say, what happens? The kids get something and this is what it says. Assembly required. And I don't know if you know this, but I, I am the most untechnical person that you know. All right. When, when we got married, Jeannie thought that I was like her dad. Right? Now her dad, they were farmers, and her dad could take a tractor apart in front of you and put it back together. Right? I, on the other hand, cannot change a light bulb. Right? So Jeannie felt like it was her duty to fix me. Right? So every birthday, every Christmas, I got tools. Right? And I got how to fix it books. Right? And, and she, she tried for a long time. I could tell you the whole story, but it would, it would take too long. All right? and, and I am just not, I just, I walk into Lowe's. I walk into Home Depot and I start to sweat. I mean, just being there bothers me. All right. I am not. So, so kids get stuff. All right. And it might just be a tricycle, but there is assembly required. All right. I'm, I tried. It didn't work. I always mess it up. Mess it up. All right. I can even read the directions and mess it up. All right. Now, let me just say something. Christianity is like getting a tricycle for Christmas. Assembly is required. It's not optional. Right. When, 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 you, when you buy the box with the bike in it, if you do not assemble it, it does not work. Christianity does not work without assembly. Right? Some assembly is required. Now, if you've got the right person there and they can assemble, you can get a beautiful bike. But if I do it, all you get is parts. Because I, do, I'm just, I just, it just does not work for me. All right? Now, in the, in the book of Acts, it's assembly. In the epistles, it's assembly, right? Ephesians 4, verse 11 says that he, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, listen, for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. To do the work of the ministry. Now, now really, the kingdom of God, is, it's like a family, right? Now, when our kids were little, we did not expect much of them. Right? When they were two, we were just glad they didn't wet the bed. Right? But by the time they were 12, 
Right? We expected them to do some things. Right? We expected them to make their bed. We expected them to keep their room clean. We expected them to do some help around the house. Right? Now, really, it's the same way with the kingdom of God. Right? It says this. It says, keep yourself spiritually alive. This is Romans 12. Binding yourself to the Lord in service. Right? Now, now, some people, they've been Christians for quite a while. But in, in the kingdom of God, and you, you realize... This is Jesus' message, right? When Jesus came, this is the first thing that he said. He said, repent, literally rethink your life because God's kingdom is here, right? When Jesus closes his message, Acts chapter 1 says that for 40 days, he spent time with his disciples speaking to them of things concerning the kingdom of God. So the first thing he said was kingdom. The last thing he said was kingdom. And by the way, everything Jesus said in between has to do with how to live in the kingdom. Right? It's, the, it's the kingdom message. Right? Now, what the kingdom is, the kingdom is the domain of the king. Everybody know the king's name? Jesus. Right? He is king of kings, lord of lords. All right. So in the kingdom... The king's word is law, and his will is done. Right? The king's word is law. Now, we're not used to that because we live in a republic. I know you think we live in a democracy. We don't. We live in a republic. Right? There's, a, there's quite a bit of difference between the two. Right? But, but we're used to electing people. How many of you know you didn't get to elect Jesus? Right? In, in, the, in, in, in a kingdom... Where, where there's a king, there, there's no election, but his word is law and his will is done in the kingdom, right? Now, what's supposed to happen as you and I are in the kingdom, we are supposed to bind ourselves to the Lord in service, keeping ourselves spiritually alive, right? Unfortunately, what happens is we have a lots of people in the kingdom living on government handouts. Hello? That you've been in the kingdom for 25 years, all right, and you're still not doing a thing, right? You're still sitting back, all right? You're, you're not, you're, you are not contributing to the kingdom, right? Now, you may be contributing financially or you may be contributing with your time, but God wants us to be contributing with both. In fact, the Bible tells us right here in Romans chapter 12 that unless we bind ourselves to the Lord in service, that means we do something in the kingdom, it says you will not be spiritually alive. You'll be like the Dead Sea. You know, in, in a few months, we're going to be taking a trip to Israel. We'd love to have you come with us. We'll climb up on Mount Masada where King Herod had one of his, his castles and his complex. Right? And you look down and there's the Dead Sea, right? It, it is unbelievable view, right? And, and here's the thing about the Dead Sea. We, we always go swimming, but we, really you don't swim, right? Because you get in the Dead Sea, and it is so full of salt and other minerals, right, that you literally, you cannot sink. You can try, but you cannot sink. And when you come out, it's like you, you, you take a bath in oil. It's just kind of like greasy, right? right? Now, the reason is this. The Dead Sea has the Jordan River flowing in it, but nothing flows out. Right? And when you have something that's constantly receiving and it's never giving, it ends up dead. It ends up dead. There are no fish. 
There's, there is, there's no life at all in the Dead Sea. And, and spiritually, that's what happens to us when we receive and we receive and we receive, but there's no outlet. So the Bible says, keep yourself spiritually alive, binding yourself to the Lord in service. So Ephesians 4.11, he himself, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, I know people think that's what you're supposed to do, Pastor. You're, you're the pastor. You're supposed to visit everybody in the hospital. You're supposed to counsel everybody. You're, you're supposed to bury everybody. You're supposed to do all this stuff. But the, actually, the verse says that my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. I'm not, in fact, the, the, the biggest problem the church has had for the last 1,500 years is we have thought that just a few people, professionals, are supposed to do the ministry. Right? But the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, they're supposed to teach the church to do the work of the ministry. And let me just say this. You cannot be spiritually vibrant if all you do is receive. Bind yourself to the Lord in service. Right? Keep yourself spiritually alive. And without it, we just do not get as spiritually alive as we should be. Now, the, I was thinking about this message this week, and one of the things that I thought about was a, a, an illustration I had heard about draft horses. Now, draft horses, a, a great draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds, right? But if you hook up two draft horses... You great ones, you'd think they could pull 16,000 pounds, but together they can pull 24,000 pounds. And if you get a trainer to work with those two in tandem, they can pull 32,000 pounds. I want you to know it's like that in the kingdom of God. Right? You know, there is a center. The Bible says it like this one will chase a thousand, but two We'll chase 10,000. There is a synergy when we work together, when we pray together, when we worship together. There is a synergy, a spiritual synergy that takes place. Right? Now, one of the things that God literally does is God has supernatural relationships. Right? There's natural relationships and they're good. But that literally, God puts us in supernatural relationships. When Jesus called and trained his disciples, that was a supernatural relationship. What Moses did with Joshua was a supernatural relationship. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses laid his hands on him. You know, literally, Joshua was Moses' assistant. Right? And he spent time with him, but the day came, he put his hands on him, and a supernatural impartation took place. Elijah had Elisha. Right? And, and, and it's really interesting. Elijah's about to go to heaven. Right? And, and literally, he is one of two people in the Bible that never die. They literally, God takes them to heaven. Right? And, and as he, he knows he's going to be going to heaven. And first he says to Elisha, hey, stay here at Gilgal. He says, as the Lord lives, as my soul lives, I will not leave you. They did the same thing at Bethel. They did the same thing at Jericho, the same thing at the Jordan. He kept trying to leave him, and he says, I will not leave you. He knew he had a supernatural relationship. So when they had crossed the Jordan, he said, 
ask which you may that I may do before, for you before I'm taken. And Elijah said, please, let me have a double portion of the spirit that's on you. And, and when God puts together a supernatural relationship, let me just say this. There is an anointing. There is an spiritual exchange that takes place. And, of course, you know the story. That's exactly what happens. Elijah goes to heaven. Right? But Elisha got that double portion. Elijah's mantle fell, which was literally in Old Testament Bible times, you could tell a prophet by looking at them because of the mantle that they wore. So when that mantle fell, he picked it up. He went over to the Jordan River and he folded that, the Bible says he folded that mantle and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And he struck the river and it opened. First miracle. By the way, Elijah did 16 miracles. Elisha did 32. Double portion. Double portion. But it was literally, it was a supernatural relationship. Paul had a supernatural relationship with Timothy. You know, he called him his son. But he was an example to Timothy. He said, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. In the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Right? Now, our spiritual growth in God, the Bible tells us it goes from glory to glory. Or we could even say it from faith to faith because it's, it's the faith that brings you from glory to glory. And literally, when we're talking about glory, it's you become more like Jesus and more like Jesus. So we're to go from glory to glory. Now listen, uh, we, we all know Mount Everest is the, the, the highest mountain in the world, almost 29,000 feet, all right? The first people to successfully reach the top in 1953 were Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Morgay, all right? They broke the barrier. Since then, over 800 people have made it to the top of the world's highest mountain. But you cannot just decide, well, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest this week because I'm in really good physical condition, and I'd like to be one of those people who make it to the top. If you want to try and you are not ready you are sure to die because the air is so thin, you'll have a lack of oxygen, right? So there's a process, right? If you want to climb Mount Everest, right, you need to figure it's going to take you three months, right? And here's how you start. During that time, climbers go to a low altitude and they camp there, right? And they stay there sometimes three weeks, all right? And then they gradually make an ascent to a higher camp and gradually make an ascent to a higher camp. Now, something is happening while they're there in their blood, all right? Their red blood cells begin to increase because there's less oxygen, all right? And by the time they reach the final altitude camp, just that camp, not the final climb, but the camp, the last camp, their red cells in their bodies have doubled in number. Right? So their blood, in their blood, their red cells have doubled. Right? So they can carry enough oxygen to keep them alive. Right? Now, you say, why are you talking about climbing Mount Everest? Because literally, that is what it's like going from glory to glory. Right? Let me just say this. There's no spiritual shortcuts. 
right? And there are certain spiritual blessings at sea level, right? But there's blessings that you've got to climb. You've got to go from faith to faith. Every breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough in revelation. The Bible says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But, this is the part most people forget, he has revealed them to us by his spirit. So what it's saying is this. It's saying the way that you go to a new revelation, all right, it's by the spirit of God. He reveals it to you. You cannot, listen, you cannot in the natural study and get what eye has not seen and ear has not heard. The only way it comes is by revelation. When Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter stood up. They said, well, some said you're Elijah and John the Baptist. Or Peter stood up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Nobody taught you this, and you didn't figure this out. He said, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. See, what, what Peter got was revelation knowledge. Right? Now, now here, here's, here's what I think is so cool. Right? You can hack somebody's information. You can hack, how I many of you know you can hack a computer? You can get email servers. All right. There's a credit rating service who just had 50, they got hacked. And somebody stole all the information on 15 million of their clients. Right. Now, you, you can hack in the natural. Right. But let me just tell you something. You cannot hack into God's kingdom. The only way it comes is by revelation. Right. So, so I want to close with this. Ephesians chapter 1. And the apostle Paul is praying. Now, uh, I remember years ago, Jeannie and I were were, were out living in an Indian village. And uh, I I, I literally preached 365 days a year when we were living there. Every day, every night there was a, in our home church, they they had a service 365 days a year. So if we were home, I preached in the home church. Right? And, and this, was, this was hilarious, you know, because all I needed, the, the pastor never asked me once to preach, not one time. All right? But every time I was there, he'd just get up and say, now Dwayne's going to preach. So I learned to be instant in season, out of season. All right? And when we would travel out, then I'd preach three, four, five times a day. All right? so, so I'm doing all this preaching, and Jeannie starts to pray for me. Right. She'd been praying for God to change me and trying to change me. But, but then she says, you know what I'm going to do? She didn't tell me this. She says, I'm just going to pray what the Bible says. Right. So she started to pray Ephesians chapter 1. Right. There's this prayer in verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Right. See, you cannot hack into God's system, but God can give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, all right? So it says that the the knowledge of him, the eyes of your heart or your understanding 
being enlightened. In other words, God's saying your spirit, your eyes are going to open up and you're going to begin to see things. That you may know the hope of his calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now she began to pray that for me every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And after about three months, I came to Jeannie and I said, Jeannie, I do not know what's happening. I said, but I'm getting so much revelation. I don't even know what I used to preach about. I said, but every time I'm opening my Bible, I said, the thing just comes alive. And she's going to be, oh, that's nice. She told me later. All right. Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, if you want your life to be different, how many of you would like something different? He said, pray Ephesians chapter 1. That prayer. Pray it every day. Every day, at least once a day, and if you can, more than once a day. He said, and when God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, it will change your life because you will go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Jesus said it, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Think about that. You can't even understand the kingdom unless you're born again. Now, what that means is this, because he said, he said, you must be born again. And it means to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you. And if you have not given Jesus all your heart and life, you still have it. And today, if you're not where you should be with God, you're away from God, you're not right, and you say, I want to be right with God, I want to invite you to bow your head right now and we're going to give Jesus all our heart, all our life. And when we say amen, you're going to be born again, and you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. So make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, a part of your kingdom, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Assembly Required, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give and click on the giving option that is right for you. We'll see you again next week. Be blessed.